Hello and welcome to the Quietly Visible podcast. I'm your host, Carol Stewart, founder of The Bounding Solutions and author of Quietly Visible, Leading with Influence and Impact as an Introverted Woman. This is the podcast for introverted women who want to thrive as leaders and in life. Now, I've got a very interesting guest with me today. Well, all of my guests are interesting. Um, and this one is um, someone who is got a very interesting story um, and very informative stuff to share with you all. And her name is Francesca McDowell, and she's a leadership and public speaking coach, and she's the director of Elevate Coaching and Consultancy Limited. Um, and she works with individuals and organisations to facilitate growth and progress in coaching, mentoring, speaking and training. And she's also authored a total of seven books and has been mentoring for over 15 years. And she recently received two awards for the work that she does. And she's very passionate about developing individuals to achieve their personal goals, start their businesses and become confident public speakers. Um, and in her spare time, she enjoys walking, traveling and spa days. Who doesn't enjoy spa days? And <laughs> um, we're going to be t- speaking about a topic which reports suggest that is when, when people think of the, the worst fears in life, um, is worse than the fear of death. And that is public speaking. The leaders. Um, and we're going to be talking about the importance of developing this as a skill how best to prepare and manage for presentations, um, and why being an introvert should not hold you back. I'm also going to be touching on some of Francesca's childhood as well, because she's going to be sharing about how she overcame a childhood stutter to now be a speaker. And she's going to talk about as well about the power of sharing our stories. So lots of fantastic content for you. Hi, Francesca, and welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thanks, Carol. It's great to have you here. So before we sort of delve into what we're going to be talking about, just tell us a little bit about more about who you are and what it is that you do. Thank you. So as you read in the bio, I'm a leadership and public speaking coach and have been running a business now for the last five years. And I will say that I think I've had a bit of a journey within my career. I started out with doing training and helping those who were long-term unemployed and then moved into early years consultancy and I kind of fell into coaching because I went away and did a we had like a whole day of assessment I did something called the Gallup's Strength Finder and my top theme as a leader came out as a developer and when I read it it really explained so much of me in language that was very new to me and so I realized that coaching really is something that I'm naturally good at and then I went away and did a degree in it to really hone the the skill of it and so I'm just passionate about coaching in in all its capacities and it's what I get to do most days of the week in between other projects as well. Yeah and I I I love coaching as well and and I think it's just such a powerful um, thing coaching and so can be so transformative as well. Um, So uh, Tell us a bit about how you became a speaker, having had a childhood stutter. Because I've had clients who have had uh, stutters um, in the past and have found it challenging 
speaking up because the spotlight is on on you um and you know they have gradually through coaching developed the confidence to go and speak a bit about your experience having a stutter as a child the impact that that had on you and and how you became a speaker it's it's really interesting because I think there are certain memories from being a child that really stand out and one of them I was about seven or eight and I was in class and the teacher had asked a question and I knew the answer but I just couldn't formulate the word so I whispered it to my friend next door and she shot her hand up and very boldly said the answer and then she got all the oh well done you know you got it right and I remember just feeling like oh my goodness that it was so terrible that I just wasn't able to articulate certain words very well and so because this was known to school and known to my parents I did have a referral and I went through speech therapy and so it, it, it was hard work because speaking is something so natural and when there's particular words or letter combinations that are hard we always find ways to compensate and so my personal way was to speak very 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 fast <laughs> because I felt like if I spoke really fast then I would just get all the words out and then I would be done and so I had to be very conscious and present to that to learning how to slow down when I speak and manage my breathing in order to pronounce certain words and letters well and I think depending on the reasons for stuttering sometimes people may grow out of it naturally as for me I do I'm very intentional with it but I do find it can come back from time to time but I've learned to embrace it and so it's never a problem and it doesn't really hold me back as well so then when I went through education and started my first job I was so passionate about what I was sharing on how I spoke really didn't matter as much as what I was speaking about. And so I just built up lots of experience delivering training and speaking to people face to face. And then another challenge came just because of a an important leader in my life who was, let's say, wasn't very, didn't speak very kindly to me about the way I spoke and it dented my confidence. And so I then didn't speak in public from a, from the front, let's say, for a f for a few years. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think there's something there about the, the pressure that people have put on people to perform to yeah. a particular standard when public speaking, um, and it's like people strive for perfection. But I think I, I I don't agree with that, and I think there's nothing wrong with if somebody is not is what is considered got the perfect tone, or you know they use um, what do you call it filler words or things like that, because we're just we're human and we're, and we're, yeah. we're normal, um, and you know that is, as as I do more and more public speaking and and have become increasingly aware of the pressures that people um have put on them and they need to be this perfect speaker or strive to be a perfect speaker the more and more i i dislike it yeah and and i think it was that just then puts people under pressure and also people don't generally speak like that 
all the time anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is one of the benefits I will say more recently about social media is that there's almost been an acceptance about being who you are and embracing your authenticity. Because I believe the person that you are on the stage, someone should meet that same person in the coffee break and having a chat. It shouldn't be that you're a whole different personality with a whole different way that you speak. Um, yeah, there sh- you should be recognisable as you if you're really being authentic. Yeah, yeah. And and I think, you know, that's something that I think I'm going to be increasingly talking about or increasing awareness about, I think, because it, it does put people under a lot of pressure and then that yeah. affects their performance when they're speaking. Whereas if they recognise, well, even if they they do say, um, or something like that, that it's okay. Um, and the thing is, the more they they become anxious about it or worry about it, the, the worse it's probably going to be for them. Absolutely. Because sometimes the more you do focus on not trying to do something is the more you end up doing it just because that's where your your mind is. Well, that's it, where all the attention is based. Yeah. Yes, I think as long as the body is able to articulate their message in a way that is heard and understood and that it's clear, I think it's okay. Yes. Yeah, mm. I, I, I would agree. I have worked with some clients who, for them, their filler words or the ums and ahs were to the other end of the spectrum where it was so prevalent that actually their message didn't come through because every few words was um so that became quite distracting and there Mm -hmm. are some great methods to be able to reduce it but at the same time we're not looking to like you said be perfect because Mm -hmm. it doesn't exist and the pressure to be perfect causes a lot of people to procrastinate or they actually avoid speaking altogether yeah yeah so i think if that pressure is removed it may well one make people feel more confident and as you said applying certain techniques so that they can minimize or reduce the numbers of ums and ahs then you know that that should add to their confidence I think yes absolutely Mm -hmm. and so having overcome your childhood stutter um, and getting into speaking um, as as you someone who coaches leaders around public speaking and, and what tell me tell us let's talk about the importance of developing it as a skill why is it so important for leaders let's hear what you have to say yeah I think when someone is a a leader and for me when I use the term leader I think a lot of people are leaders even though they may not have a particular position or title that warrants a leader because we all lead our own lives and we lead our families and our and our events in the community or we lead in faith settings as well as in work and in business but when we are a leader and we have a message to share the ability to articulate that is incredibly important because we can know the vision inside out but other people also need to hear it in a way that they can understand and buy into it particularly and I also I think that when you have someone who has ethics and standards and values they're the people who need to be speaking from the front because oftentimes you find people who don't necessarily have those same values are the ones that are very loud and other people hear and listen to them and it's not always the right messaging that comes through when people are leaders and they speak 
to one person, great, that person's impacted. Maybe they're inspired, they're motivated. They could have shared, shared maybe some wisdom or an experience and that person's life in some capacity has changed. And to me, that is really, really powerful. And I've been a receiver of that. And also I believe a giver of that to some extent. But when we then go into public speaking, we have the opportunity to speak to many people at the same time. And so that same message is multiplied and therefore more people are impacted and hopefully more lives are improved. And so this is why I really believe that it's such a key skill for leaders to embrace and to do unapologetically. And whether that is online or in person, leaders do need to be speaking up. And, and, I, and I agree with that, you know, part of a leader being thought, having that influence and impact yeah. is the ability to get their voice heard, to get their message heard. So, you know, whether it's somebody who is a leader, you know, just of a team or a department or an organisation um, or in their own business, then or in, even in, within the community or I, it is it is important that they are able to articulate their message and communicate their message um and for their message to be received and understood um, yeah. and people to then take action yes absolutely mm. because we have to be visible don't we it's it's all good and well saying something but if it's never really heard by the right people there's going to be no impact and like you said influence either so yeah certain things have to be declared and spoken and Mm, that's right yeah and 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 many people think that introverts don't like public speaking or they can't do public speaking but that is not true at all because people who are extroverted don't like public speaking and some do and just like some people who are extroverted can't public speak but there's this misconception around introversion that that because introverts are some people think that introversion means shy which it doesn't some people think that introversion don't like introverts don't like being around the people and speaking in front of people which is not necessarily true um and so if you're if you're listening to this and those misconceptions have shaped how you do public speaking then they shouldn't let them they shouldn't let it hold them back should they yeah, absolutely not. Because public speaking and the fears of it, they go across the spectrum between being whether you're an introvert and extrovert, like you said, Carol, or whether someone's um, really young or old or no matter their gender, it, it can affect lots of different people. And I think those who are or would classify themselves as introverts are often very self-aware and they're reflective and they they can be quite deep thinkers. And so in essence, I also think that the message they're going to be sharing would be very well thought out and they're not speaking just to be heard, but they're actually speaking with a really, really clear intention. And so if we were to connect more with the reasons why we're speaking, and I really consider speaking is serving, that I think can help people take some steps closer to actually taking the steps to speak more and embrace opportunities of public speaking. Yeah. And um, what are some of the most common challenges that you see that leaders have when it comes to public speaking? The fear of getting it wrong. Mm. 
or the fear of forgetting what they were going to say. And so, and I will, will also say not every public speaking coach has the same way of working, but I don't believe that people should be writing out their speeches or their scripts word for word and reading it because if, and maybe learning it like that, because if you were to then forget a word, if you did learn it, you know, word by word, or you're reading it and you skipped a line, you're then stuck. And it can be very obvious that you forgot your place. And so I think embracing the art of storytelling in your speaking is really helpful and finding a way to share the message without it being so concrete that then you're scared about getting it wrong. And, and so, I must say that I, I would agree, agree with that, you know, learning a script. Um, and I, when I did my TEDx talk, you have to submit your script to the um, TED organisation. Um, and so you have to learn it word for word. And that is not how I, when I'm doing this uh, talk, I, that's not how I go about it. I will, I will have some bullet points that I will yeah. just sort of memorise, um, but I won't do it word for word. And I remember when I was on, on the stage doing my TEDx talk, and I had a moment where my mind went blank mm. and, I, and I just thought, oh my gosh, what comes next? Yeah. Um, because of the work that I've done on myself and I'm self, very self-aware, I recognised that um, what was going on. And I just said to myself that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to worry about this now. Uh, now I'm just focusing on getting through this talk and just yeah. put my mind back and carried on. Um, and nobody noticed a thing. You know, yeah. all that happened in my mind. Nobody noticed that. But if I just stood there and started worrying and really trying to think, oh, my gosh, what's next? What's next? What's next? And worrying about it, I would have become anxious. And then because I was so, I'm so anxious, then I wouldn't be able to think clearly. And I probably yeah. would have messed it up completely. Yeah, exactly that. And it's being really present and staying present to the moment and mm. focusing on, what you're speaking about and who's listening and again how they're responding and reacting but um yeah and and I think when it comes to TEDx talks that is quite a a different type of talk isn't it that's very particular and the way that people prepare is very particular as well yes very very much so very very much so um and so when it comes to storytelling and you, you sort of talked about how incorporating storytelling into your talk um, because people love stories, don't they? Yeah, people they do. Listen to stories. So, how, how, what's the best way to go about incorporating a story into a talk? I think focusing on the outcome of what you want your audience to either understand or what you want them to learn will really direct you to the story that you're going to be sharing. And in addition, telling your own story because we connect with people through our stories, through shared experiences. And I remember when I started sharing publicly about having a stutter as a child, the amount of parents who messaged me to say, oh my goodness, my child has a stutter. And hearing you speak and hearing your story gives me hope. And that wasn't necessarily what I intended the outcome to be, but it really taught me the, I guess what um, Brene Brown would speak about in terms of, you know, the power of vulnerability and how in stories we can share, I would call it appropriate vulnerability, 
where mm -hmm. people can relate to us in a way that they wouldn't know otherwise. And so if I'm delivering a presentation on leadership, I often call it the good, the bad and the ugly of leadership. And I'll share yes. that I became a manager um, at the age of 24. And I was not a great manager at that age, purely because I was inexperienced. I just followed in the footsteps of my the manager before me and I didn't do a great job. But by sharing the story, I'm letting people know that it's OK that we don't always get it right. And so I think we tell great stories by being aware of our own journey, being willing to be appropriately vulnerable and then working intentionally to find the right story to match your message and also the outcome that you want to share with the audience. So they're left with something. It's a feeling, it's a maybe it's something they're going to do as a result or it's an, they've learned something different as well. But practicing storytelling is really, really helpful. And how would um, someone incorporate a story into a topic which is a very dry topic say you know they, they they've got to do a presentation to the board on say performance the last quarter's performance how could they incorporate a story in, into something which could be seen as quite very boring and dry yeah so if you if you didn't have a story of your own you could find somebody else's story Maybe it's a story that's in the public eye or it's a story even from something completely unrelated, such as sports, but being able to match the learnings, the takeaways from that sports story, for example, to what's happening in the boardroom or the report that they're presenting. And so I think it does take a level of creativity, but all around us, there are stories and nuggets that people can really connect into mm, yeah and that's true and, and i guess even um I, I i guess even if if they incorporated maybe some of the the challenges that they've gone yeah. through in order to achieve that performance or how they'd overcome it and yes. leave that into the story i guess that's the way of of doing it yeah absolutely mm -hmm. And so leading on from that and say, you know, presenting in the boardroom or preparing a presentation for a meeting, um, how, what's the best way to prepare and, and manage yourself for that presentation? We've touched on it earlier, but I, the aspect of not trying to be perfect is really, really a good way to start so that your mindset is is in a really good place that there's not so much pressure that you end up crumbling because there's an unrealistic expectation so working on your own mindset your self-talk the space that you are in internally i think is very important and then on a very practical level if it is a presentation making it a little bit different and interesting so whereas some people have very wordy powerpoint presentations for example how about using images or graphs even, or other things to demonstrate what you want to be teaching without it being lines upon lines upon lines that you just end up reading. So that can be very helpful. And even if it's a not as interesting subject, still being passionate about it. 
you know, really caring about what you're talking about because you believe that actually you're the right person to be sharing that message at that time to that audience. And so when we are really have, when we're passionate about what, what we speak about, I believe we're more authentic and it comes across better as well. And, and I and I would um, second that when when you're and people are attracted to passionate people. So when yeah. you're showing a passion through the topic that you're speaking about, um, that will engage people. That will make people want to sit up and listen because they can hear that passion in your voice, and and that is an attractive thing for people to see that somebody is yeah. talking with passion about something that they believe in that they're passionate about. Yes, and, absolutely. And you mentioned earlier about techniques to reduce the ums and the ahs. What are some of those techniques? Watching yourself back or listening to yourself back, I would definitely say is a starter. Because when we are more conscious of doing something, we're able to look at it differently and to manage it. And so there's a model around, you know, a learning model around incompetence and consciousness. And I think... Being more conscious of it initially is really helpful. And then if you're able to notice when people, when you would say ums and ahs, is it when you're changing topic, topic? Is it when you're thinking about something? Or and is it because actually you don't like the sound of silence? Whereas when we are speaking, silences are really powerful. And so embracing the pauses, slowing down, making eye contact with your audience as well, rather than going straight to it mm, whilst you're almost in that in-between phase of talking. Yeah, and, and what you said there about the pause, I think it, I, I think pauses are powerful. I, I wrote a, a blog about it a few years ago, The Power mm. of the Pause. Someone who I think who does that really well is Barack Obama. Um, sure. He's, he's well known for pauses um, and it, it is very, can be very powerful. Yeah. Um, and, and I think what it does, it causes the audience to take notice because if you've been talking at the same pace or in the same rhythm for a while, people can start to drift off in their mind. But the minute you pause, they suddenly notice, oh, my gosh, something's different and they pay attention again. So that really also builds engagement with the audience. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what it's about, isn't it? It's building that engagement um, and keeping your audience engaged and, and being aware of when they're losing that, their, when you're losing their attention and then doing something to kind of bring the attention back. And of course, yeah. can come in handy there, asking them a question or just shifting something so that you bring them, that you bring them back. Yeah, absolutely. And when it when it comes to the um, as, as you said, the the presentations and having that what they call it, death by PowerPoint. Some people refer it to where there's just so much text on a slide um, that can be something that causes people to disengage, can't it? Yeah, it really can. And also, some people always <laughs> read ahead they'll read the whole slide and you're still on point one, mm-hmm. you know? So again, it doesn't really help engagement if there's so much information on there. Yeah. And um, well, I, I like what you said as well about um, 
like record, watching yourself, playing it, playing it back, so recording yourself and playing it back, because we can pick up on a lot just by observing ourselves. I remember years ago, and I was a part of a, a, a mastermind group, and I was going to be delivering like my first, I think it was one of my, in the, my early days, uh, a talk to a corporate organisation and um, what they did was my peers, they said, well, they would, I, I would sort of share my presentation with them, I talk with them and get feedback from them. And one thing which I hadn't been aware of was that I I had a tendency to sort of shuffle, not shuffle, but sort of like from, move from side to side. Yeah. Um, which I had not even been aware of. So that was really good feedback because that then I became conscious and aware that that was what I had a tendency to do. So I yeah. didn't really think that getting that feedback or recording yourself is um, very powerful as well. Yeah, and a lot of people struggle to listen to themselves back because they're not used to hearing themselves <laughs> in that way. And so that's something that, again, a lot of people have to really learn to embrace the way that they sound because it's just about getting used to it. But I, I agree. And I know when I first started watching myself, I was always fascinated because I didn't know that my eyebrows were so expressive. <laughs> and, I, and I felt like all the time my eyebrows were doing this dance or I would, you know, really show my emotion in my face. And I've had to learn to, to manage that to some extent so that if I am surprised or shocked, I'm not overly having that expression on my face <laughs> in, in certain contexts. But yeah, it is really helpful to to watch yourself back, to listen to yourself and to, yeah, look at the areas you want to improve just a little bit for the next time. Mm. And the thing as well, it's, it's a journey, isn't it? Um, and we evolve. The more we do public speaking, the more we practice at it, the more we can refine and become better at it. Yes, absolutely. I do believe it is a skill and also an art as well, because some people, they are naturally gifted at it. However, a lot of people can improve on the skill by really learning more about it and how to embrace who they are and their message as well. Mm. And one thing with me, uh, what I found, I remember the first time when I said up to myself, right, I'm going to do a talk and I'm not going to have any prompts. Because yeah. um, I'd, I'd had my notes, my bullet points, and I said to myself, right, I'm not going to, to use them because sometimes I find that, that they can also make you um, maybe forget or can get in can get in the way and and I remember thinking oh my gosh I can't I can't I don't think I can do this mm. and, I, and I remember literally minutes before I was due to go up on the, the stage and speak and I was thinking shall I take my notes up shall I not <laughs> and I was having this sort of like internal dialogue with myself yeah. but I decided no I wasn't going to take it and I was really surprised with myself at how mm. much I just spoke and it just flowed naturally and so so much so that I continued to do that yeah, that's really good. And it just shows that it is possible. It really mm. is. Because sometimes when people are, are holding an A4 sheet full of notes and they're reading from it, well, then they're, it's almost like there's a barrier between them and the audience. Mm. And it yeah. can be really hard to fully, you know, look at them and embrace them because they're holding something. And I've also seen people hold it as the talk went on, just hold it a little bit more up and it's like no we want to see your face we want to see your body language mm, yeah. so, and, and and 
and then at having a go and practicing with you know not having as many notes the next time until you're in a position where you've literally just got a couple of bullet points or you only using the projector or for some people they don't use anything because they've developed techniques to be able to speak with absolutely no notes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and, and I think a lot of that being able to do that is to do with our mindset and how we what we think and what we believe about ourselves when we're speaking um and that because you know many of us are very much led by our emotions and the way that we think affects how we feel and we act and behave according to how we're feeling and so if we're bullying or feeling anxious that's going to affect our speaking performance um but if we have that belief that we know our topic we um are able to deliver the message i think that makes a big difference and yes. also yeah. as well not putting that pressure on ourselves to be perfect yeah absolutely and then it's almost the, also the thought that actually if you forgot to say something maybe that little part wasn't for those in the room on that particular day Mm -hmm, and it's okay that everything we planned for might not be delivered and at the same time there could be things that you didn't plan on delivering that you did that was again right for that audience and so I think it's being also a little bit intuitive with the some of the errors you're speaking I mean you know you definitely want to deliver the core message and what you're there to do but sometimes there's other things that we add in that can make a big difference yeah now this is a really interesting topic so thank you so much Francesca could speak to you all day about this Uh um so if people want to find out more about you and your work and what's the best way to for them to find you yeah so I'm on LinkedIn as Francesca McDowell and that's the best way to contact me Great, thank you. So listeners, do go check out Francesca, connect with her or follow her on LinkedIn so that you can see what she's posting, you can engage with her content and you can find out more about her services and and what she has to offer. So thank you, Francesca. It has been a pleasure. Thank you, Carol. Great. So thank you, listeners. And um, if you want to increase your confidence, influence and impact and you haven't completed the assessment on my website go to aboundingsolutions.com there is a free assessment on there um, which will give you ideas about areas that you can focus on i will put the link to francesca's linkedin profile in the blurb that goes with this episode so yes do go and check her out and until the next time bye